Yeah, the world of money and power. And Akwanam uh, Lamleli, Portfolio Manager 274 Investment Managers, joins us uh, this evening. Akwana, Maskwam Gelabak Metro FM Talk and then Atemba, you had a rest of break and compliments of the new year. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ayabonga. I appreciate um, the opportunity this evening. And compliments to you and your team um, behind the scenes um, that have been working tirelessly throughout the year. So we all had a good break. I'm sure we're all coming back to revive um, New Year, but also particularly to revive our economy. No, 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 definitely, definitely. Look, Anduva, it was very, very large, and uh, I think we certainly have to uh, get back, hit the ground running, and make sure that we continue mm-hmm. to uh, build this economy and this society as well. And, uh, yeah, we do that uh, in this segment, Akona, and I want us to start with Bain. Uh, because they certainly didn't do much of that, uh, especially at SARS. And uh, I think the allegations they've been involved elsewhere. Uh, and mm. a lot of heat, I guess, um, you know, was hovering around BLSA, who had readmitted Bain. Uh, mm. This after they paid off the fees with interest, changed some personnel. Uh, but it seems, yeah, the stench is still hovering around the management consultancy uh, all the way from the U.S. And uh, they've now then decided to withdraw uh, because they felt that uh, this was attracting, I guess, or, or distracting the BLSA from doing, I guess, uh, the work that it's supposed to be doing. What do you make of this? And I guess more importantly, what does it say um, around uh, you know, how these organized lobbies or organized groupings, be it of business mm-hmm. or labor, treats matters like this? Yeah, so um, as the news would have come out today, um, Ayabonga, um, Bain, which we are quite familiar with with regards to the headlines, the U.S.-based uh, management consultancy firm, um, was implicated again in another report, um, the first part of the three-state capture report, which came out just a few weeks ago, um, with regards to its um, dealings, particularly um, with regards to um, the SARS and also um, the previous commissioner and the former president. Um, so, yes, um, they were a member of the uh, back like um, or business leadership South Africa, BLSA, um, particularly um, in, in were invited back in 2021 um, due to their membership um, being removed or revoked um, in 2018 um, on the conclusion of the Nugent Commission inquiry, um, which also found irregular dealings or concluded irregular mm. dealings with regards to this particular um, management company. Um, so yes, they've. After backlash um, in the past week, um, they have obviously succumbed to indicating they will withdraw um, their membership with regards to being part of this association of BLSA. Um, and I think it was quite welcomed by the market, um, but also with the association um, getting quite a lot of unnecessary press, um, particularly around the membership and allowing them to be back in the fold in 2021. Um, I think it's um, particularly place a cloud alongside the association, um, which obviously it represents um, some of the largest um, companies uh, within um, mm. this African economy. Um, so I think it would like to, obviously, um, as an association, focus on doing the necessary duties, particularly for the economy and for the membership uh, members who are part of BLSA. Um, so it was unnecessary attention that it did bring, but I think it will uh, become a much of a relief um, for them, and obviously, so they can get down to the operation yeah. um, of organizing the organization. I mean, it does sound like some, some somebody whispered to somebody here, but uh, I mean, Akwana, Asnabu Bungana So let's pause here for a second uh, and take a quick spot break. When we come back, I want us to talk about currency challenges uh, out in Zimbabwe and uh, also Peter Moyo. 
uh, yeah, asking for a quarter of a billion rand from Old Mutual. We'll take a look at that on the other side of this. 23 minutes it is after 7 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our wrap of the top business stories. And uh, I'm joined this evening from uh, 27.4 Investment Managers uh, by uh, Portfolio Manager Akwanam Lamleli to take a look at uh, the latest in the world of money and power. And uh, Akwana, I guess uh, one of the big stories uh, coming out of uh, Old Mutual today is uh, that court uh, bid um, by uh, Peter Moyo. Now, initially, he had wanted to be reinstated to his job. It seems that mm. that particular horse has bolted, and he now wants a quarter of a billion in damages. Uh, yeah, what's happening here? Yeah, so we're all quite familiar with the story as it dates back um, to about almost three years ago, um, where the former CEO of Old Mutual, um, who was fired in 2019, um, has chosen um, through his legal team um, to abandon. Um, some of the legal proceedings in, in terms of that has been obviously dragging for the past three years. Um, this was pertaining to him being reinstated as CEO. So he has abandoned that. Um, however, he still um, is going on to proceed with his damages claim um, against Mutual um, over his 2019 dismissal um, with regards to um, him saying this dismissal was particularly unlawful. Mm. And as you indicate, um, Ayabonga, you've indicated um, he is seeking a quarter um, of a million rand um, in damages, um, but this has obviously been disputed um, by the enlisted company Old Mutual, um, which has indicated that they did pay him out uh, six months after um, he was um, his employment was terminated and um, did pay him out. Um, however, he is seeking the quarter um, of a million rand in damages, um, particularly for this damages claim um, that he feels he wants to take forward and press towards with regard to um, his um, legal proceedings um, with the group. Mm. How, how much of the Sakwana is still around legal arguments? I mean, uh, you know, I guess the whole issue, public, uh, sorry, conflict of interest between NMT Capital uh, and whether or not they should have paid those preference share dividends rather than paying out dividends to ordinary shareholders, which includes Peter Moyo as the founder of NMT Capital. Um, how much of it is still in the domain of those arguments and how much of this now is just, uh, I don't know, I mean, uh, I guess uh, trying to save face and reputation, which is not a bad thing. I mean, if you feel you've been hard mm-hmm. done by, uh, I think yeah. it's, it's well within your interest as a professional to try and, you know, clear your name and also make sure that, uh, yeah, I guess you're paid for all of the heartache and uh, trouble that you've gone to. Uh, mm, it's, yeah, it's a combination of the two, um, Ayabonga, because um, it, I think it also is quite difficult um, for him to um, find other um, employment opportunities mm. um, within the realm, within the business realm, within South Africa. Um, as you know, um, he's had a long history within business in South Africa um, and has contributed immensely. Um, however, it is um, the argument is also tilted towards um, the NMT capital, which he indicated he founded, and also the shareholding within which um, Old Mutual had um, particularly the 20% shareholder and the dispute particularly that has taken place um, with regards to um, the, um, the ordinary shareholders um, um, being paid and obviously the preference um, shareholders particularly um, such as the owners such as Old Mutual um, not getting um, paid. And so it is a combination of the two, um, I think, um, obviously trying to save faith in terms of the business community and also trying to also the dealings with to NMT Capital, which he felt and argued um, that he obviously the conflict of interest, when there was a conflict of interest, he did put um, NMT um, above uh, the NMT hat, um, as you would call, 
Um, but um, it is a combination of the two, obviously trying to save face, mm. but also a big portion of the argument is also with regards to the MNT um, um, a partnership, um, which um, Mr. Moyer had with regards to the own mutual. Yeah, yeah, this is just... Hey, yeah, one of those stories that uh, I guess uh, is, is, will be expected to drag through the courts. and uh, mm. But also just in terms of the rationale of not pushing forward for the reinstatement. I mean, it wasn't only because, I guess, you know, the his success had been in the job for long enough now, but also because of how long the proceedings would have been if he, the successor in this case, Ian Williamson, was drawn into the proceedings. Yeah, so um, we, as we know, Ian Wilson, particularly, particularly when, the, um, when he was um, taken out in 2019, became the interim CEO, mm. um, and then obviously he was appointed permanent CEO in July 2020. So um, if he had um, continued um, with the proceeding of wanting to be reinstated, um, the current CEO, um, Mr. Wilson, would have to be um, included in the proceedings. And also, if Mr. Moya did win, um, he would have to vacate his position as CEO of Old Mutual. Um, so I think he didn't want to obviously... Um, he's obviously fight or challenges against the Old Mutual, but it's not a, and it's not against an individual. Um, so I think he just wanted to let that go and obviously just deal with the group at hand um, on, the, on the legal proceedings. Mm, mm. Yeah, one of those stories I guess we'll continue to follow. And uh, yeah, I mean, knowing the courts, it'll certainly be drawn out. Um, mm. And then, of course, you know, we've seen a few reports doing the rounds. I don't know who goes and grades central bankers but uh, and says, you know, this one uh, is better than the other. This one deserves a, a this one deserves a D minus. But uh, in that particular report, they didn't have any glowing praise for one John Mangudia, who is the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe's governor. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it seems uh, Mangudia has come out again saying, look, if we want to narrow the um, exchange rates between the official market rate um, and, I guess, black market rates uh, for uh, U.S. dollars in relation to uh, the uh, Zimbabwean uh, dollar, then uh, business is going to have to play game. Uh, business mm. is going to come to the, it's going to have to come to the party here. What do you make of this one? And I guess more importantly, the implications it has for many in industry in Zimbabwe uh, who mm. need to, uh, you know, uh, I guess, import inputs, intermediate goods and others in hard currency and uh, certainly many others uh, on the other side of that uh, transaction not willing to accept Zimbabwean dollars? Yeah, so our neighbours, um, Zimbabwean, as you, we know, have been, it's over a decade now with regards to um, the challenges, particularly within the economy. Um, and particularly with regards to this story, um, I have one with the Reserve Bank um, of Zimbabwe governor did indicate that he was pretty much reluctant um, to um, narrow the widening gap that is taking place between the national currencies official and obviously the black market rates. And this is on the back of um, some protests that took, did take place last year where we saw a couple of companies resort to the U.S. dollar for transactions um, and we also saw um, the business groups such as the Confederation of Zimbabwean Industries um, indicating it um, in a letter to members um, that they would like to have a crackdown, particularly on the black market for currency trading, because um, it is causing um, very much turbulent times, particularly for mm. the industries and the businesses that do require foreign um, exchange rates for them to obviously operate as a business, um, which um, resulted in laughter where we saw um, a lot of arrests taking place, where we saw foreign currency traders um, being um, jailed um, for a few weeks and a few months 
and also the Zimbabwean government threatening to suspend licenses, particularly for businesses um, using that black market rate to price their goods and services. Mm. Um, so, yes, um, it's a bit of a challenge. Um, however, it is one that continues to be a challenge, particularly for businesses, in order to, for them to receive currency rates um, because the currency rates that are currently being offered currently, um, there's a lot of disparities, and particularly with regards to struggling to obtain foreign currency, um, which does affect operations and the running um, of the businesses, particularly in the in Zimbabwe. And also just the efficiency of the market and the efficiency um, of the Reserve Bank, as you see, um, indicated that there are currently weekly um, foreign currency auctions. Um, however, there is particularly one that only just resumed today um, after more than a long gap of a month um, of holidays where it wasn't operational. Um, so it does provide some challenges and restrictions, um, particularly to the foreign currency auction that does take place um, by the government um, and also provides challenging environments for businesses that currently operate um, within the economy of Zimbabwe. Mm, mm. Yeah, one of those things, I guess, uh, that... Uh uh, how long has it been now? I mean, since the, the late 1990s. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess the, the sequence of events that led, yeah. Yeah, that has led to this particular outcome. I mean, I think the last time I was in Zimbabwe, there was a massive uh, a cash challenge. Uh, you couldn't go to the ATMs and get all the money that maybe you needed for whatever transactions. Yeah, uh, no, you're And obviously yeah. inflation has been the biggest um, check and challenge. Mm. Um, as we've seen, um, price hikes in particularly Zimbabwe, with annual inflation that we saw, particularly in December, in excess of 60%. Yeah. And people just want to hold um, the U.S. dollar. Um, they have preference for the U.S. Mm. dollar um, rather than their own currency. But I guess also, Akona, the other dynamic to this one is that this is a monetary outcome, right? So we might see the shortage of U.S. dollars. I mean, there was even a story of U.S. dollars. Kukumdo's tenga, U.S. betch. And then U.S. tenga, selabanya, you know, in the black market. Um, mm. And and all of that is, a, I guess, a monetary outcome of an underlying economic challenge, mm. uh, which is also, I guess, a supply challenge for the Zimbabwean economy. Um, you know, you're importing uh, in terms of your own needs for U.S. dollars in order to buy the imports you need for whatever it is that you produce, much mm. less than what you might be producing for export that earns you the same dollars that allows, uh, I guess, for that sort of circular flow to happen. Mm. No, you're correct, um, Ayabonga, but also... Also, need to be also cognizant that the, the nations, particularly the US, the UK, that obviously have restricted um, certain economic activities that take yeah. place. Yeah. yeah, the sanctions that have taken place, which has um, just elevated um, just the challenges, the normal challenges um, that um, our neighbors um, are currently facing mm. um, in, in, in this. And sure. it's been over 10 years, and you know, we don't know how this is in, in going to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's the other question. Yes, Baba Sayas, Nabaya sanctions, why they'd levied them in the first place? Because mm-hmm. I heard the Zimbabwean government saying they're going to pay back some of the farmers that lost their land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, uh, you know, they are doing all of the right things, even reopening their diplomatic relationships with the likes of the UK. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you sit there, you know, if you, if you are the um, ambassador uh, mm-hmm. to Zimbabwe from the United Kingdom or like the consular general or whatever? Yeah, that's a challenging one, because I think also yeah. one of their gripes at the time was also against um, the late um, president, mm. um, Oabu, but, but now obviously the repercussions have not um, ended. They're just filtering on and on and on as if not coming to any sort of conclusion or any sort of um, real um, development within the economy. Yeah, yeah. No, this is, this is a headache. But let's talk about Tongat. We spoke about Bain earlier on. 
Tongart, it seems, yeah, tough going for professional services firms uh, because Deloitte, uh, yeah, the after that, we're going to take you to the cleaners, we're going to take you to the courts because uh, alongside our former execs, you guys were at the center of cooking the books, inflating asset values, inflating profitability measures, and we're now in a bit of a mess, a massive debt burden, and we probably have to go and pickpocket our shareholders again uh, because of what happened under... You know, the Stauder leadership and uh, also, I guess, the role and complicity of the mm. auditors uh, in whatever unfolded there. Yeah, so the group um, has indicated that they have appointed um, a legal team and also initiated a process for claims against um, the auditor um, Deloitte um, for their role in the accounting scandal, um, that, which um, had been taking place for quite a while under the previous leadership um, as we are talking about the new leadership um, initiating um, some of these pursuits. Um, so Tonga um, indicated that they have completed um, work with regards to the action against Deloitte and the auditors and have also appointed um, new auditors, um, EY, um, who are currently at the moment waiting for Deloitte um, to finish up um, their work so they can obviously start afresh. Um, but this is a, a case, and I think a, a new uh, environment, particularly for the South African landscape, um, in um, the malfeasance and dealing with um, some of the enablers of malfeasance in corporate um, South Africa. Mm. So according to the chair, um, Tongat obviously um, has done damages, particularly uh, sort damages um, for Deloitte um, for some of the problematic and unscrupulous um, book from problematic book, bookkeeping um, that had done. Um, and some of the the amount that they're currently seeking in the civil claims um, amounts to about a 450 million, um, not only um, to the um, auditors, Deloitte, um, but also shareholders. Um, so this is a new game, so the game, and we can see how um, previous shareholders or directors um, who were part of it, the audit establishment um, will be treated in, in the courts and how this will play out. Um, so the group has um, has been forced, um, obviously, to reinstate um, their financials. Um, which has resulted in a decrease um, in excess of about 34%. Um, and also, last year, as you indicated, um, the group and um, Tonga did come out saying that they will need to raise cash um, from shareholders, which was not um, received pretty well by shareholders, understandably so. Um, so we do currently wait to see um, how this um, would play out. Um, however, the share price has come under significant pressure and when they did announce that communication last year with regards to raising cash from shareholders, um, we did see the share price um, decrease in excess of about 45%. Um, so they will have to um, try and get, um, get um, some um, of the assets. Um, however, they will have to try and convince um, current shareholders um, why they want to obviously get some of this cash um, for the operations of Tongard. You know, I, I, and also there's the language uh, when our corner when it comes to this. Um, corruption, um, malfeasance, and all of those lovely English adjectives. Uh, no, no, no. In this case, to accounting irregularities, um, just like with Steinoff. So, so I, I, I really find the double speak, you know, quite unsettling because I, I do think what effectively has happened here is the fleecing of particular shareholders. And, you know, when we talk about these shareholders, we're talking about people who are nurses, police people, teachers, mm. uh, whose money has been invested in pension funds, who invest yeah. in some of these companies. Yeah, um, no, Unyanti, yeah. it's, it's pension fund assets. It's the life of your um, GPS, your PIC mm. assets, you know. Um, it's members that, um, that 
are going to be bearing the brunt um, of some of the losses that have occurred. Not only was Steinoff and very much a new joker, particularly for members and pension funds, but um, those that did have a, a shareholding for particular investment within Tonga mm. um, will also be um, unfortunately um, affected um, by the performance, particularly of this corporation. Yeah, yeah. Last one here. Yeah, very interesting development out at Microsoft. And uh, yeah, they've now bought the guys who give us call uh, of duty uh, in a game that I think many of our listeners, uh, certainly those who are gamers, would be very, very familiar with. And maybe it's a story we need to maybe check in on with Super Dave uh, to try and wrap our heads around. But what does this mean in the gaming universe we understand it uh, does give them some leverage and advantage for their xbox console uh, and uh, i guess um, helps them in their competitive game against the likes of sony and tencent yeah so microsoft um, is buying um, activision blizzard inc um, some of you um, may become familiar with regards to them being the makers of the video game call of duties mm-hmm. and also the makers um, of the xbox um, and said to be one of the largest deals, particularly that has taken place within the sector. Um, so Microsoft um, will offer about $9.95 a share, um, which equates to about a premium of about 45% um, of the company's closing price on Friday. As you know, the U.S. has been in a long weekend and um, markets were only open today. Um, so when the news was announced, um, or pre-announcement of the, of the news, um, activation shares were up in excess of about 38%. Um, which was in, um, which um, even halted um, the the stock exchange um, for the news to obviously filter into the market. Um, but I think for Microsoft, it's a diversification point of view in terms of being a, a tech company. Um, they're obviously seeing this opportunity as mm. particularly the gaming sector as a, a dynamic and exciting um, sector that they want to play uh, across in the entertainment sector. And as you know, the sector has truly benefited, um, particularly from the pandemic in the last few years. And the likes of activations and library of games and Call of Duty um, does enable uh, Microsoft um, to compete um, with one of the biggest competitors within the space, um, Sony, the Sony PlayStation, which is obviously, as we know, is enjoyed um, across various streams. Akwanam Lamlele, we'll have to leave with this as well. It's always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. That there was Akwanam Lamlele, Portfolio Manager, 274 Investment Managers, and uh, yeah, helping us with our wrap of the top business stories.